France, ACPM, and the IAB. That's what we're talking about this week on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. I know that you're listening to Sounds Profitable because podcast ad tech is important to you, but it's important to me that you are kept up to date on the latest news from the entire podcast industry. To help with that, here's what happened last week, no matter when you're listening, from James Cridlin at Pod News. The more we look outside the U.S., the more we realize other countries are handling podcasting and its metrics differently. It's hard for us within the U.S. to shake the mindset that we are in control of how things are being done. My guest this week, Sarah Toparoff, wrote an article for Sounds Profitable called The French Exception, Podcast Measurement. I spoke with her about what's being done differently in her country and how we can learn from it to get better over here in the States. We have Sarah Toparoff here, who is a publisher manager at Pod Install. And Sarah has an awesome relationship with Sounds Profitable because she was, first off, one of the first people to reach out to me about the newsletter. So it was great to hear that anybody was actually reading it. But second, she was our first guest author. And today we're going to dig into uh, Sarah's article, The French Exception Podcast Measurement. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for having me. It is an honor and a privilege. Honestly, like while I was writing Sounds Profitable, the hardest part was I'm just like, oh, my God, I have to write this content every single week and I'm not going to get any breathing room. And is it OK for me to get in guest writers? And me and you just hit it off and you were just like, hey, everything you write is about the U.S., what about a perspective from France? No, that's exactly what I mean. That was the first thing I, I said to you. I said, this is amazing. We need this content. Thank you for doing it. There are podcasts that are outside of the U.S. I don't know if you knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the hard part. The entire yeah. industry, not just like the podcast creation side, but especially ad tech focuses just on the United States. And I mean, look, the lion's share of ad revenue does come from the U.S. when you count like traditional ad revenue measurement, right? We hit... 0.9 billion last year in podcast advertising. But what people seem to forget is, is it was something like 1.3 or 1.4 billion worldwide. Let's say it's 1.4, right? 0.5 billion is more than half of 0.9 billion. So we can't like throwing away the rest of the world, not looking at that, especially from an ad tech lens, let alone a creation lens is just wild. And it was so great to interact with you because the truth is, is that like in the U.S., it's very hard to learn about things outside the U.S. And there's a little bit of ignorance on my part. I mean, it's very easy for me to just see something and be like, ah, that statistic that they're saying is very clearly worldwide because I just have this U.S. centric mindset. And, you know, you shared and opened my eyes to that. Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely comes from years of personal reflection as well. I've been listening to podcasts for probably about 10 years. And that is also how long I've been living outside of the US in Paris. And so I actually had a hard time at the beginning and like finding podcasts that weren't American because they weren't, they, they might have existed, but they weren't really well like referenced. But I remember moving to France and being like, okay, great. Like I'm going to subscribe to a bunch of French podcasts and like, you know, really brush up on my French. And, uh, there weren't any there were yeah. there were radio replays but i had already had that expectation of that you know podcast 
listening experience. And I, you know, I liked listening to the radio. Like I bought a radio. I still have one. I have like a little like alarm clock radio um, <laughs> that um, I listen to as an alarm clock. But no, I don't like I don't want to listen to a radio show as a podcast. And that was kind of all that there was here at the time when I moved here around 2010. One of the big things that you highlighted was the fact that radio kind of leads podcasting in France, right? And in the US, like iHeart's such like a big piece of it. And but they met the digital side, like digital was just like, ah, podcasting is ours. It's too much like streaming radio, you don't have it. But a lot of the measurement stuff that you you said, and I'm not going to even try and butcher the names, they're based off of radio and uh, legacy media conglomerates, right coming together and and kind of leading the charger in my misunderstanding. Yeah, no, so you're, you're totally right. So I would add to that. So France has a very, very strong radio and especially public radio culture. And though those are measured by media metry, which uses kind of like a Nielsen type methodology of, um, of samples. So it's really well adapted for huge like scale, which you know, when you're starting a podcast from zero, you can't really even think about measuring in terms of, like, you know, sampling homes kind of thing. So I would say, I think probably listening behaviors really got started in France with the strong radio culture. And, you know, as soon as you know, as soon as podcasts were invented <laughs> um, in 2004, radios immediately started, you know, publishing their RSS feeds and, and offering replays. So I think that definitely contributed to the rise of podcasting in France. But in terms of like native podcasting or, or now you might say original podcasts, so things that weren't ever made to be on the radio in France, the the charge was really led by independent studios. So I think about this a lot, um, <laughs> but how different national markets podcasting offerings, if you could like put a national narrative to each and I don't, I don't know if you want to keep this, but um, <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> but if you think about it, like I, I would say like, for example, Australia was like really, really like led by newspapers. Newspapers were really pushing like sort of podcast adaptation um, as sort of first movers in the space. In the UK, it was really a lot of uh, titles built around um, celebrities and personalities. Um, in Canada, it was the CBC and, uh, and public radio that were that was really leading that charge to to build out podcast offerings and audiences. And in France, that is definitely led by independent studios. So there are probably four or five big ones um, that they all kind of started around 2015, 2016. And they're the ones that are really leading the, the structuring this marketplace. And so they actually formed a... Um, an associ I don't know if they call it an association. Coalition? Yeah, so sort of a coalition that they call PIA, which is Producteur Indépendant d'Audio. Um, so in independent audio producers. And they are really the ones that are kind of pushing to professionalize this market and, and attract advertisers. And in order to do that, one of the really big pieces of the puzzle is getting the stats right. Yep. So what I talked about in the article with ACPM is so ACPM is a um, 
it's an advertising measurement bureau. Uh, there are these exist everywhere uh, in the world that have a free press, I guess, <laughs> to generalize. Is there an ACPM equivalent in the U.S.? I, I forgot to ask that when yeah, we were talking there, about I, it. Yeah, I did, I did mention it in my article. I can actually I can pull it up. But it's not as recognized as IAB, right? There's nobody racing for the ACPM equivalent certification in the U.S. Everybody's focused on IAB certification, and IAB does go worldwide. But ACPM uh, and, and the, the equivalents in other countries, I think what's neat about them is they each get to have their own variation, right? They're each saying, you know, this is what's slightly unique about our country. There's a core framework that's similar. Our certifications are different by country, but you should be relatively in line if you follow the one in France, if you try it in another country. It should be trivial work, might be a little bit of bookkeeping, but you're close, close enough to make the transition. Whereas the IAB is one everywhere, but the IAB doesn't represent the countries very well it's very u.s centric it doesn't i'm not a fan of the iab if you could tell the i so the iab is a standard and i think it's an important one but i think like we talked about in the article it's a standard of of measurement that you know it, anyone can do anything with data you know <laughs> Yeah. Like d data, data needs transparency in order to be useful for everyone. And IAB is contributing to that for sure. What ACPM is bringing to the table. So it's an audit bureau of circulation. So historically, these audit bureaus exist in every country in the world, you know, nearly. And the U.S. equivalent, uh, I think is just called the ABC. Yeah. Audit, audit bureau of circulation um, or no AAM. Sorry. Um, it's auditedmedia.com. So what they do is, you know, when you're selling newspaper or magazine advertisements, if you're wanting to buy one of those ads, you would check one of these third-party measurement rankers and see, you know, how how many eyeballs you could get your ad in front of. And that's that's a big differentiator because IAB is the framework and it says my numbers are valid and you've paid crazy amounts of money for someone to tell you that your math is right. But the AAM and ACPM are all focused around the metrics tracker. Like Triton has a product like this, but it's a private product where you provide their CDN logs, they process it with IAB standards, and then they list your ranking. So it's not only validating that the methodology for counting is right, but also saying here's how you size up against others in the space. It's like a, a menu of people that are certified that have valid numbers and it's a place to see all of them. Yeah. But ACPM is public. No. Um, no? So they, I think that they're, they're, um, a, they're a nonprofit model, but they're not public and you do have to pay a fee to be a member if you want your number certified. Um, you have to be on the ranker if you want your numbers certified. They're they're not they're like inextricable. Well, what um, about for you to view when you're going to buy? I'm actually not sure if they have. Uh, you, I mean, the numbers are public. Like you can go and look at the the ranker. Um, I think. Oh, that, perfect. That's yeah, yeah. So that's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. as the publisher, they have to pay. Everybody has to pay because yeah. there's processing fees and management exactly. and whatnot. But like, if me or you wanted to see how does someone actually stand up in that ranker, like in that, that metrics tracker aspect, like we can go do that. That's, yes. that's publicly available. And that's neat. That sets a standard. Now we, we talked about media metry for a minute. We talked about PIA is the people in PIA, are they part of uh media metry? 
No, they specifically did not want to have their numbers compared to radio because it doesn't, I mean, it's not, it's not the same thing. So yeah. when you're, when you're thinking about people who are buying ads for pot in the podcast space in France, so there's a lot of like ad agencies that are representing these different brands and the podcast buyers are usually, I think they're usually sitting in the digital spots. They're not sitting in the radio. They're not in charge of the same radio budgets and they're not, it, it, it really varies. Like it's kind of hard to, it's hard to generalize, but a lot of what's being done for French podcast ad buying is through like special operations and yeah. sponsoring and sort of partnerships as well, which is kind of, which kind of brings me to talk about something that, um, you don't really see when you're looking at these sort of global figures of podcast, the podcast advertising market is that France is sort of like French podcasting is really built on brand content. Like that is, that's the bread and butter of how these podcast studios are monetized. So I would say almost all of them were founded with a, an editorial side and a brand content side. And that's sort of the business model. And so there are tons of these branded podcasts that are being paid for through these special operations advertising budgets. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a super, super important to the French market and French podcasting, but I don't know if there's a way to measure it right now. <laughs> And so the branded content we're talking about, like bring back Bronco from Pacific content or any of the stuff that like jar audio does like these, these branded workshop houses, like that's an example of it, right? Where it's like one set series, uh, number of episodes about a specific thing that's tied in with an advertiser or a brand, or are you talking more about like, like a single episode about like an investigative show that has a a lean towards a specific product. So this could be in, in several different forms. Like you could have sponsored episodes of an editorial podcast. Like the, my employer uh, is Bebebem and um, we had a special month of a series called love story that was sponsored by Netflix. And so all of the episodes were about films that were available on Netflix France during that month. Yeah. But what I was mostly talking about is you know, for for me, the best example of this is the Trader Joe's podcast, Inside Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yep. That's a great example of it, where it's a whole series specifically about it, but it's it's branded in the sense that it is about a company or product or an advertiser, it's but it's content. Like exactly. it's compelling and engaging. I actually don't know, and I would love anybody listening to this, please just reply back to myself or Sarah. I want to know, like, does that stuff get measured measured in that? I, I think it's actually based on like ad spots. I think that's a lot of it. I think branded content gets fit into a different category than what ad spend is because based on how we track, how we do impression tracking and podcasting or, or whatnot there, you would have to go through a lot of hoops to make sure that that gets appropriately recognized as a campaign and how you track that is way different, right? Is that a 30 minute long ad? Do you have to track that differently than a 30 second ad? But I think it's really interesting. And, you know, you led me on this path to get outside the US and you know, we, we had uh, uh, Tom from Pod LP is on the episode before this one, but he, you know, he focused on India and mm -hmm. you guys all brought me outside the U.S. to make me realize like these countries, the problem is, is that you guys keep getting compared to the U.S. and there's, there's differences and similarities. Like 
similarities there there was a gentleman you introduced me to who about like two or three years ago decided he was going to be like the tim ferris of france what was his name again Mathieu stephanie i think yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i met him and he's amazing and he has like an agency and like the podcast is doing so well that the advertising agency appears to take a back seat to the podcast and that was only like two to three years ago that he was like hey there was a hole nobody was doing this in french and i did it yeah and you know as we look at like india exploding and all of these other countries like that's the thing that i like to highlight to people like sure you're not going to be joe rogan making millions of dollars selling to spotify today but you can still get into it and then like the advertiser perspective too that was really important to me is that like If I knew any products that were like focused in France, if I could do that, like I would absolutely buy the inventory there because it's slightly cheaper in scale and associatedness there. But like you can target like there's more available inventory in these countries because we're ignorantly just looking at the U.S. There are global products in the U.S. that should be absolutely advertising in these other countries and, and not only taking advantage of the great CPM and the return they're going to get, but growing those industries. The more money that's in the space, the more people are compelled to build podcasts. We get to a tipping point where, you know, people get angry in the same way I get angry that I'm like, nobody's paying me to play video games, right? Why can't I make money just because I recorded something? But before that tipping point, there's a lot of room for people to make money. There's a lot of room for people to get creative. And buying into that branded content is so killer. Yeah, The knowledge that like, An advertiser could go to someone in France and know know that this is a content that resonates with a French audience and there's structures built out for this to be made. Like it could probably cost you on par with what a regular podcast advertising campaign would go in the U.S., but it could likely resonate way more because there's more room for you. Yeah. um, And we've had, you know, a lot of great success stories in in France for of branded podcasts that have that have gained sort of mainstream audiences or have done really well and have been renewed for multiple seasons so yeah it's definitely a space to watch especially like when you're talking about just being able to make money and make it make podcasting your main gig you know a lot of people you know whether they're on the radio um as their main gig or if if they're podcasters are definitely doing you know branded content exclusive content um and yeah i mean it's a really booming market and brands and media have understood that they they need to be in this space and it's just about sort of finding finding the right levers finding the right mechanisms but um i think i talked about it in the article like podcasting part of the way that it developed in France was like, it's very, very women led brands and shows. Yeah. But as a result, like you have, you have uh, this audience that you can advertise to like, you know, millennial women don't have TVs, um, (laughs) don't listen to the radio. This is kind of the only way that you can reach them. And like, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about people who have this buying power, and you know these opportunities to to build relationships with the, with these brands like podcasting is the way to do it in France. So no, that's, yeah. it's such good insight. And like I want to I want to pull things back in here together. But but when we first met, you were in radio with a with a strong focus and interest, a passion in podcasting, right? Like you were you were digital journalism. You were part of the Global Editors Network. 
And now you've transitioned into a podcast based role. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, what I'm doing is, um, I'm working on, I think that the, the, <laughs> the, the missing link right now in terms of podcast listening, the, the user agent, if you will, that everyone's forgetting about is the open web. <laughs> That's real. There's yeah, uh, the, there's so many opportunities um, to to capture attention, to transform page views into podcast listens for publishers, and just sort of in my conversations that I have through my different activities in the industry, like I serve on the the editorial committee for for Podcast Day. Um, I've participated in EBU events, um, and I, I came across this tool, um, and I just. I just asked how I could be involved and, you know, a few, awesome. a, a few months later, here I am. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And and we actually, so maybe this is like more of a teaser, but we are working on a new podcast ad technology, which um, oh, man. <laughs> I would, I would really, really love to showcase in, yeah, in a, in a, and maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll a product deep that. dive or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about that. My thing that I want to ask you is that like you you just reached out to me and you were just like, hey, I got these ideas and these topics. And I was just like, yeah, here's the stage. Like, <laughs> go take care of it. But there are so many people that look at podcasting and they're just like, well, I don't have an interesting topic. Nobody wants to hear about me and my friends talking about it. And I keep trying to educate people that there's other paths into this space. There's so many other roles than just being on the microphone or being an editor or being a producer. So the question I want to I want to kind of pose to you is, to the people out there that want to get into the space that aren't necessarily on the creative side, how do you do it? Like, what's the best first step? What do you recommend? Uh, do they get vocal? Do they create something even if it's not that great? Do they just call and knock on doors? Do they present something? What What do you recommend? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I've definitely been like living it. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the, absolutely, you have. Honestly, like I've I've had my ear to the ground for a while. Uh, because of, you know, uh, immigration reasons, um, I really wanted to stay in Paris, in France, um, and I needed sort of a permanent role contract, um, just, you know, purely due to my immigration status. And this is sort of the first year in France where those roles in podcasting, like the one that I'm, you know, it's sort of commercial customer success, you know, really... Um, uh, how do you say accompany accompaniment? No, <laughs> I have like I, I I'm like working in French, so I'm like, what is it? Um, <laughs> Just say the French word for it. Everybody will along. Accompagnement. There client. we go. <laughs> These roles didn't exist a couple of years ago, and I I mean I had my ear out for them. You know, before it was if you wanted to work in podcasting, you know, you had to be a freelance producer. That's it. That's all. That's all that they yeah. were looking for. But no, I mean, I would say like you know, as I've cut, I've gotten every job that I've had by being really invested into the company's mission and kind of like harassing them until they hire me. <laughs> so that's, you know, honestly, that's an interesting. Uh, it's not a bad way to go about it. I mean, because you know their culture so well and you know what they're doing and you're able to talk to it. I mean, I think we can distill this down to like. The first thing is that like it is competitive in the U.S. for these type of roles. So know the company pretty inside and out and be prepared to like speak towards their goals and speak towards how you'll fail it. Um, but I think the thing that people should take from you, especially in this post-COVID world coming up, right? We're hopefully coming up. I say as I got my first vaccine shot and hoping to be able to travel again. Hey, um, congrats. The, thank you. <laughs> um, is that like 
if you can speak a different language, if you can fit into a different culture, if you want to explore a different country and there are people in there, companies in there trying these things, you have a unique experience. If you understand it well enough and you have a base level skill that can be applicable to there, that might be enough for someone to be able to bring you over with a visa from the U.S., to those countries. Or heck, if you're in these other countries, reach out to people like Sarah and myself or other industry peers. Just talk to them and say, I want to get into this space. What do you recommend I do? Learn their company first. Learn a little bit about what's going on there so you can present very well. But take advice. Don't be afraid to reach out to people and realize that these opportunities are are growing. We're looking at 15 to 20 years, depending on who, which old guy you want to argue with right now that podcasting has been around. But like, it's still fresh. Like the fact that there are countries that are just like, ah, podcasting just started, right? That like as a global movement, it is in its infancy on every aspect from creation to business, ad sales, technology, like, yeah. So there's, there's room. I would say, yeah. And I would say what's really cool about working in podcasting is that like, I feel like it's an industry that I, that I watched grow, you know, and I've been watching it like, you know, more than a lot of people that are, you know, in it. So it feels very accessible and, you know, a little can go a long way. And so I think it took, it took me a long time to even think that I could, you know, publish a blog post on medium about my like podcast recommendations. Cause I was like, who am I? And I'm like, well, I'm someone who has podcast recommendations, so I'm going to publish them. But you know, it was a big step. And then it, it, I mean, doing something like that just really helps you, um, distill your own ideas, you know, get, give yourself a, a digital footprint um, that's associated with, you know, what you're interested in. So I would say like, yeah, the space is open. Like don't, you know, imposter syndrome is tough, but not impossible to overcome. Yeah. No, that's super real. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining me here. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is a podcast, ideally not from the U.S., that people should be checking out? Oh, my goodness. Um, I was prepared for this question. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I Well, okay. So I will start with by recommending um, all of the Duolingo podcasts. They're so okay. good. They're so good. Um, honestly, I listened to the one for learning French. I don't need to learn French. Um, it, the stories are very, very good. Um, and I'm learning Spanish as well. So I could, so mainly so I could listen to podcasts in Spanish because I know a lot of people making them and I want to be able to listen to them. Um, but the Duolingo Spanish podcast, the Duolingo podcast in Spanish for learning English, which is beyond my level, but, um, also very cute. Um, so definitely check those out. And then am I allowed to do multiple recommendations? Yeah, go for it. Um, the podcast that I've been recommending for the past, like, two and a half years has to everyone has been you're wrong about. Okay. It's so good. Have you listened to it? I haven't. It's tell me all about it. It's two journalists that basically debunk really big sort of media blitzes, mostly from like the nineties. So, you know, they have a really long series about, uh, OJ Simpson. Uh, they just did an episode about like Vanessa Williams and Miss America but like every topic they cover is something that I thought I understood and then realized I did not at all. The most, really? the most, mi- yeah, the most mind blowing one was about, um, for me, I always come back to the, the, their episode about Kitty Genovese and bystander apathy. It's like in every psych one one class, but anyways, go listen to it. You, it's absolutely not what they taught you in, in psych one one. I love it. And then, well, so that one's, yeah. yeah, that one's an always, an always favorite. And then I would add 
recently I got into Floodlines by The Atlantic, which I'm a little late to the game, but it's um it's about it's basically a you're wrong about Hurricane Katrina, but it's a really well investigated, well reported um like look back at at what happened there. <laughs> And, you know, there were stuff, you know, I was, I think I was like 16 or something at the time. Um, so I did have like a conscious memory, but it's, it's extremely well done and any, anyone would sort of benefit from taking a moment to, to take that in. Well, thank you so much for sharing those. And honestly, I think that we just scratched the service of France and, and the countries around the world. And I think you have such a great perspective. I struggle with English. You're already on to another language. I can't wait I to have you back as a guest writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put on a better show than I Thanks. do. But <laughs> I really, I really hope to have you back as a guest writer. I really hope to have you back as a guest on the show. And so thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Brian. And stick around for some special bonus content at the end of the episode. I've teamed up with Evo Terra to give you a minute-long strategic thought that is guaranteed to shift your perspective on the present and future of podcasting as we all work to make podcasting better. Thanks to Sarah Toparoff for coming on to help expand on her article, The French Exception, Podcast Measurement. If you like what you heard and want to connect, you can find me, Brian Barletta, on LinkedIn, way less formally on Twitter as High Five RPG, and of course you can email me, Brian at soundsprofitable.com. The Sounds Profitable Podcast and all cool ad tech bells and whistles you've experienced were thanks to our host and sponsor, Wooshka. Everything you've heard since the conversation ended was uniquely created to target you using their dynamic ad insertion features. If any of the callouts were wrong, let us know. Depending on how you're listening, there were over 10 opportunities to hear dynamically inserted content and ads in this episode. While we continue to tweak and innovate our setup, some of the breaks may be more noticeable than others. Thank you for bearing with us and please send over your feedback. The Sounds Profitable podcast would not be possible without the help and support of Evo Terra, James Cridlin, Ian Powell, and Sam Mars. Thank you all for your help and support. 